All right, Howlers, let's get howling. But first, a couple quick warnings. First warning, this podcast contains adult content. Don't be a pixie. Second warning, this podcast contains spoilers for the entire Red Rising saga. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Etsy. Email us at howlerpod at gmail.com. Call us at 1-800-516-1540 to leave a voicemail. And rate and review us five stars only. If you don't give us five stars only, we will make you walk to the dragon tomb without your mask. And, you know, you're not going to make it very far because you're not Romulus off fucking raw. That's true. And now, Howlerpod. This is not the end. I loved you before I ever met you. I will love you until the sun dies. And when it does, I will love you in the darkness. Goodbye, wife. Hello. Howlers. Welcome to HowlerPod, the one and only podcast for all things Red Rising, where every episode we dive deep to break down, celebrate, and discuss all aspects of the fantastic Red Rising saga by Howler number one, Pierce Brown. Yes. I am your host, Ben Reinert. I am joined today by the amazing Aaron Ayers. Low Howlers. It's character study time. Who will enter the passage tonight? The passage of our in-depth scrutiny and judgment? Will they rise above the rest and be crowned prime? Or will they fall short and be disgraced henceforth as a pixie? Who are we studying today? Moon Lords! Raw Family Part 1. Romulus, Dido, Serafina. Yes. This is the Brady Bunch of the Moonies. (laughs) All right, let's load up this star shell and shoot straight into our character backgrounds. Hopefully we don't get exploded. (laughs) Or get exposed to Io. All right, let's start off with Romulus, because he's the best. (laughs) (laughs) So Romulus, my man, is a gold, a peerless scarred, the former arch governor of Io, and former sovereign of the Rim Dominion. He is married to Dido Ara and is the father to Diomedes, Serafina, Marius, and various other Ra's. There are seven total. There are a lot of Ra's. They fucked a lot. <laughs> well, they were really in love, you know? And what else are you going to do up there <laughs> on the rim? Got busy. Romulus is the same height as Darrow, but thinner, with a twice broken nose and a larger right eye. His left eye is missing. It's been replaced by a blue and black marble orb. He has long, dark gold hair that is kept back in a ponytail. Daryl notes that Romulus appears to be both serene and violent. We love a good Lysander description here at Hallerpod. He's good for one thing, giving descriptions. <laughs> so we've got to include his description as well. Lysander says that Romulus has, quote, surprisingly sensual lips wow. riven with two scars. Lysander. <laughs> Did he talk to Dido about that? I think Dido knows. <laughs> And that uh, Romulus has dark, long gold hair streaked with black and puts 
it in a bun pierced with a stick of black wood. His right arm is missing since the Battle of Ilium, and it has not been replaced, which means he's not vain. And also, I picture him as a samurai. Oh, yeah, for sure. Badass ninja fighting machine. Major samurai vibes from Romulus. Um, Romulus is a rigid, tough, and above all, disciplined man. A keen thinker. With a reasonable, respectful manner, Romulus has an aura of maturity and competence and can be charming when he wants to be. Open to negotiation, Romulus is direct and upfront, not one for insults and games, and shows respect and decency to any guests beneath his roof, abhorring the idea of going back on his word. Romulus, additionally, has a low opinion of golds in the core of the society, finding them to be spoiled, decadent, and savage. He views himself and others in the rim to be more like the iron gold who conquered Earth and founded this society, and he views violence as an unpleasant tool that must not be used lightly. His discipline extends to his family life, expecting his children to earn their way to comfort and wealth and slaves. <laughs> they got to earn those slaves. Got to earn your slaves, kids. <laughs> rather than simply being granted them like the core pixies. However, he seems to have strong affection for his children, wishing to avenge his older daughter and seeming aggrieved at the news of her death. He acknowledges the suffering of the low colors, but insists that this is the way it must be for the rim to survive. He's not vindictive or outwardly cruel to them, but he still has slaves. <laughs> uh, Rami is first introduced. Oh, is that new? <laughs> <laughs> a little new nickname? Yeah, I think so. Rami. He's first introduced in... Like Rami mm. and Michelle? <laughs> Romy and Michelle? <laughs> it's high school reunion. Rami is first introduced in Morningstar after he has been raised to the position of Sovereign of the Rim Dominion, where he mediates a meeting between the Rising, represented by Daryl and Mustang, and the Society, represented by Roke. They are both trying to win his support for the upcoming Battle of Ilium. Darrow is ultimately able to win Rami to his side when he promises both vengeance and independence for the Rim and also mentions some nukes that may or may not be hanging around the area with the intention of creating a second Rhea. Romulus tells Roke to fuck off and swears a blood feud against him. Darrow and Rami defeat Roke's sword armada and the Rim wins their independence, but Darrow... Sneaky, sneaky, blows up the docks of Ganymede. Whoa, how'd you find that out? That's a secret. <laughs> did Holiday tell you? Don't tell Rami. Yeah, she did. She's the traitor. So Romulus appears again in Iron Gold when he meets Lysander and Cassius after they have helped Serafina. Rami was trying to cover for his daughter after she was on her super secret mission to recover the hollow. He tries to save her from execution by hiding her out at an abandoned fortress, but then Dido shows up and she's all like, I'm the captain now. <laughs> Look at me. Look, Look at, me. at me. Look at me. I'm the captain now. <laughs> she's throwing a coup up in this bitch because she's mad at her husband for covering up what happened with the docks all those years ago. He ultimately ends up being put on trial by his own wife and admits to the cover-up and is sentenced to death. The walk of shame. Mm. But not the one that we know of. <laughs> he says some super romantic shit to Dido before he walks off into the dust, dying just ten steps short 
of the dragon tomb. Pulvis et umbra sumus. We are but dust and shadows. Yes, we are. <laughs> All right. Dido, Ara, is a gold and a peerless scarred and was originally born of House Saad on Venus. She's Venusian. She was married to Romulus Ara and is the mother of Diomedes, Seraphina, Marius, and of various other Ra's. They had a lot of kids. She is currently serving as the quote-unquote protector of the Rim Dominion after pulling a coup on her own husband. She is a conqueror. <laughs> Sorry, wrong woman. <laughs> Same vibes, though. Same vibes. <laughs> so Dido is described as having a masculine strident face with ridge lines for cheekbones. They sharp. She could be on America's Next Top Model. <laughs> She has graying dark hair, gray gold eyes, and dark eyelashes. Her eyes are described as sleepy, similar to her daughter, Serafina's. Super sexy. <laughs> Lysander's just drooling all over mommy's <laughs> eyelashes. Dido is introduced to us in spectacular fashion at the outpost where Serafina, Cassius, and Lysander are with her husband, Romulus. She enters with an entourage of fully armed golds, including her nephew, Bellerophon, and several lancers. She sends them to find Serafina, whom she had conspired with, to send her on the search for the evidence about the truth behind the attack on the Ganymede docks. She dramatically argues with Romulus and tells him uh, she will be the protector of the rim until a new sovereign is elected. She reveals that Serafina did find the evidence she was looking for and tries to arrest Romulus. She commands Bellerophon and her men to attack and kill anyone that's not dragon blood. When Diomedes and Bellerophon fight, she stops them, though, and Diomedes turns his hosta on her. Then she does that thing where she starts walking into his blade. Do you remember that? Like a total yeah. badass. And it's like piercing her boob. Yeah. And she's just like, I don't give a she's fuck. Like, I don't need this anymore. I already birthed <laughs> all my kids. <laughs> Romulus eventually calls Diomedes off and is taken away. Dido eventually uncovers Cassius's identity and sentences him to fight for his life in the bleeding place. My honor remains. <laughs> At Rami's trial, he admits to knowing about Darrow's deceit and is sentenced to death as a result. Dido's coup worked, but not exactly the way that she planned. Rami really wasn't supposed to die. Uh, Dido takes up a role as protector and sends the Rim to war, whether it's against the Slave King or both the Society and the Slave King remains to be seen. We'll find out in book six. Book Join six. us next time during <laughs> book six. Serafina, a.k.a. Little Hawk, is a gold, a peerless scarred, and the leader of the Dust Walkers. The Dust Walkers. That they're kind of like the White Walkers, except they're all dusty instead of icy. Mm -hmm. They need to take a shower. And probably like more badass. More because awake. The White Walkers sucked. I mean, they're kind of immortal. That's cool. They're so. also kind of pointless. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. <laughs> Serafina is the daughter of the former sovereign of the Rim, Romulus, and his wife, the current protector of the Rim, Dido, and sister to Diomedes and Marius, and a few others. There are a lot of Raws. I don't know if we've mentioned this. That's why there's two parts to this episode. <laughs> uh, Rami and Dido really, you know, they were busy. They're pumping them out. 
Pumping out kids. Nothing wrong with that. Serafina is described as a fierce-looking woman who would not be considered beautiful to Luna's standards because of the hint of wildness beneath her surface. She has full lips, a slightly hooked nose, and her eyes are a dull gold. Compounding her natural ferocity, she wears her hair buzzed short on one side of her head. She's headstrong and angry and always looking to prove herself to her family and anyone else she comes into contact with. She is slow with her smile and quick with her insults. She occupies, you know, that family hothead role for House Raw. I like it. Yep. She's first introduced in Morningstar as a precocious child, but her real story begins in Iron Gold. She is found trapped in a tack net aboard the Vindabona by Lysander. They escape some oncoming Ascomani together along with Cassius aboard the Archimedes, but Lysander and Cassius have no idea who she is or what she was doing alone out here in the middle of nowhere. Also, it's important to point out that Lysander only saved the one gold and not all of the other low colors what a dick. that were dying. But, like we've said, it was actually Seraphina's fault that he didn't save them after he saved her. That's true. She, she stole, stole his, his razor. razor. Yeah. I said it first. She stole his razor. Jinx. We later find out that she was sent on a mission by her mother to recover a hollow of Jero's transmission from inside the Colossus before he destroyed the docks of Ganymede. Serafina wasn't the only one lying about her identity. The Moonies eventually uncover Cassius's identity and make him answer for the death of Rivas Ara, Serafina's grandpappy, and Serafina's sister in the Bleeding Place. Cassius kills a bunch of Moonies <laughs> and just before Serafina can jump in and fight Cassius, Lysander reveals himself as the heir of Loon. <gasps> this little pixie is the heir oh of Loon? Lysander and Serafina seemed to be vibing sexually at first. <laughs> sexually. <laughs> but once he revealed his identity, Serafina was pretty much like, nah. And then Lysander was like, yeah, I don't like you either. <laughs> yeah. That is kind of funny that Seraphina's like, nah. And Lysander's like, yeah, I'm not, I wasn't into it either. I never liked you. <laughs> I was going to break up with you before you broke up with me. Uh, Seraphina joins Diomedes and Lysander as they travel to the core and treat with the society. Atalantia asks the Moonies to prove their commitment to the war and fall in her iron reign on Mercury. Seraphina hungry for war, steps up and falls in the rain along with Lysander. She's doing really great, and she guides the group through the hypercane. She's like, I see these all the time on Io. I know all about storms. I'll take you right to the storm god. And then as the group starts their assault on the storm god, uh, Serafina steps out from cover and is split in half by a rail slug. Oopsie. She's dead. She exploded. Yes. What did our reader... What did our listener write in? Death explosion, I believe. She's a death explosion. <laughs> <laughs> I got a good laugh when I read that. <laughs> hey, guess what's up? Historical connections from Heather. What's up, Heather? All right, let's see what she's got for us here. She says, first off, Romulus Ara shares many characteristics with the mythical founder of Rome, Romulus. Wow. Wow. 
In the diminutive, Romulus literally means little Rome, demonstrating that an individual man embodied the virtues and aspirations of Roman civilization, living beyond the boundaries of a single person to lift up an entire people. That same corollary applies to Romulus Ara in that the beliefs and values of the Rim manifest through his actions, self-control, and prevailing honor. Romulus's iron-gold dedication to pursuing the course deemed best for the Rim, even when such involved looking the other way in the face of an enemy's slight, first liberated his people from the tyranny and decadence of the Corps, then fostered peace for ten years following the rise of the Republic. Romulus Ra ostensibly buoyed the entire Rim civilization by making personal sacrifices. Without him, the Rim would not be the epitome of iron gold, just as Rome would not be Rome without Romulus. Mm, she does it again. In the realm of family, Roman Romulus and his twin brother Remus were raised by the infamous she-wolf Lupa. She's a she-wolf. <laughs> What is that? I'm a hipster. Oh, Shakira? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Ben, who is Shakira? (laughs) That was a really good Shakira (laughs) impression. Though Romulus and Remus had fought and killed for each other as they rose to prominence throughout Latium, The newly gained prospect of power divided the brothers. They struggled for control over the founding and rule of their idealistic city until Romulus ultimately committed fratricide, crowning himself alone the first king of Rome. Excuse me, teacher. What is fratricide? It's brother killing. Killed his brosis. He killed his brother. Romulus Ara didn't have a twin as far as we know, but he does have a brother who was forced by circumstances to ally himself with the core rather than support rim independence. Atlas's forces eventually unite with those of the rim and dark age, but that situation is tenuous. Obviously Romulus has already died by this point, but the fraternal division still echoes the war between Romulus and Remus, thereby alluding to a possible Atlas death. Do you think he'll get a pole stuck up his butt? I fucking hope so. Like, oh, hey, hey, wait, don't cut his head off yet. I got to <laughs> stick something somewhere. I think, oh. yeah, Diomedes kills him and then not kills him, but like wounds him grievously. And then they're like, yo, we really got to stick up hole up this guy's butt to finish Maybe him like off. an extra big pole. Yeah. Because he's wide. a big dude. He's not a little red. Got to get like three poles. <laughs> All right, moving on. <laughs> Let's go to Dido. Heather says, A Venusian, Dido Ara, originally Asad, fell deeply in love with a man from a completely different universe, the Rim. Star-crossed lovers, Dido and Romulus's connection burned bright enough to overcome the bitterness inherent towards each other's people. Dido's name translates into wanderer, a trait that manifests through her errant allegiances changing from core to rim. Despite this, actions Dido herself sets into motion directly result in the death of her husband, a loss that drowns her in misery. This fate resembles that of the Queen Dido, the powerful woman who single-handedly founded Carthage in 814 BCE, only to be tricked by the gods into falling in love with a man she could never have, Aeneas. 
In order to fulfill his destiny, Aeneas had to abandon Dido to found the Roman race, prophesied to ultimately annihilate Carthage and its people. Definitely not a match made in heaven. Hmm. When Aeneas inevitably left, Dido no longer saw the point of living, so she committed suicide. I'm not sure that this will play out in the same fashion in book six, but death and loss continue to weigh Dido Ara down as the war she so desired rages on. She doesn't seem to have the capacity to forgive her enemies, and that may ultimately trap her in a corner where suicide is the only way out. Interesting. Uh, Aeneas is the name of Romulus and Dido's first son who died during the Battle of Ilium. Oh, fuck. Mm -hmm. How did she know? (laughs) I don't know. I think she does her research. Oh, She's like really good. I know. Yeah. Makes me sound smart when I read it. (laughs) All right. Lastly, the name Serafina is Latin, but originally Hebrew for burning one. The exact words Romulus used both to greet Serafina Ara and to say farewell before his death. That's kind of cool. That was me. <laughs> he says, my, my burning one. Yeah. It's and so it, cute. I know. It is really cute. In addition to that uh, nominal connection, it's also worth mentioning that according to Jewish scriptures, the seraphim were the highest ranking angels under God. These celestial beings are notorious for zealous love, which Serafina exhibits both towards her family and towards the possibility of war. For instance, when describing Serafina in Iron Gold, Lysander highlights his respect for her drive to defend the honor of the rim and right injustice wrought by the Reaper. Throughout both Iron Gold and Dark Age alike, Serafina's passion is unmatched, but like her name suggests, she burned bright and died fast. Like super fast. Yeah, it was pretty surprising. (laughs) Hey, Heather. Fucking great job. Another excellent week by Heather. She just keeps rising above the rest. (laughs) (laughs) She's most definitely prime. Prime, prime. All right, let's move on to our legacy section of the podcast. Let's start with, uh, let's start with Serafina. Because she burned bright and exploded quickly. Right. What do you think Serafina's legacy is? She's kind of everything that's wrong with the iron golds so she she has all the skill she's intelligent she's a badass fighter Mm -hmm. but that's kind of all she is she doesn't have empathy um she's really just there to fight she's very much like a cat right like she's just there to scratch you she's like incapable of seeing past the slight or seeing past simply getting revenge. And that's something that really made Romulus different, in my opinion, especially different from like your core golds and what were, what truly made him iron gold. It's just like his ability to see the bigger picture uh, overall. And Seraphine is much more obsessed with just kind of the moment and not taking like insults lightly not suffering a slight to the rim, not being seen as weak. She also is her mother's puppet. I'm sure if she had known that her mission would eventually cause the death of her father, Mm -hmm. then hopefully she wouldn't have followed through and maybe would have stood up to her mother. And obviously Dido wouldn't have 
done that whole fake trial thing knowing that Romulus would confess. Right. I think Serafina's problem is she's just on the starting line ready to go without any thought. So that's that's kind of why she ex- gets exploded is because she immediately jumps into the Iron Rain mm-hmm. just like, yeah, let's go. Let's fight. Let's right. fuck some shit up. Yeah. And then I think the... Uh, like dichotomy between Serafina and Romulus is these are two people that Lysander spends a lot of time with and they both have uh, like a big impact on him. Um, One in kind of a more positive way with Romulus, I guess you could say it's positive, but I guess we'll talk about that here in a little bit. But in Serafina, I think he sees what he doesn't want to become. He sees like the example of gold, like I don't want to be, you know, someone that's just like revenge focused, so violent and not willing uh, to be weak. Right. The impact that she has on Lysander over iron gold. And then especially just kind of the first few chapters of dark age, you know, he is like, she's a great fighter. He's kind of like in awe of her, but then also like he sees how she dies and how that, hunger like you said and like that need for revenge and that need for violence ultimately led her to her demise yep i think uh maybe if she had a chance to grow older and see some shit then maybe she would have become a more well-rounded person right she was young yeah she's like 20 or whatever but she obviously got exploded so we'll never know Mm -hmm. so let's move on to dido yeah, Dido, she's a little like Serafina, a very powerful woman. She doesn't back down, but Dido is smarter and sneakier, yeah. and she's playing a longer game. A little more calculated than Serafina, for sure. And uh, Dido also has been second in command for the whole Rim for a long time. Mm-hmm. She's like the first lady of the Rim and has been running shit. And then eventually holds the coup against her own husband. Right. So uh, she's definitely playing the long game. It sh- <laughs> She wins, but not in the way she would have wanted. Yeah, I think some of her legacy is still to be determined at this point because a lot of it is going to depend on what, what happens here with the rim in book six. Uh, we didn't, I was just so surprised that we did not get more information about what's going on with the Rim and what their whole plan is in Maybe book five. Maybe they're all hanging out at Oculus too. <laughs> Maybe. Everything we don't know, it's happening on Oculus. I also want to know like how much her and Diomedes are on the same page. Yeah, and Diomedes seems level-headed. Right. But he got the brains where Serafina didn't. We saw in Iron Gold that they're kind of like opposing each other. Diomedes is much more like his father's son. More honorable. Yeah. So it'll be interesting. I think her legacy is kind of still be to be determined at this point, but she is another uh, person that's kind of revenge focused like Serafina. But like we said, she's much more calculated overall um, and much more of kind of a player of the game than uh, a warrior. All right, let's move on to Romulus. This is really where you wanted to go the whole time. It's true. I mean, this guy is, he's the definition of an iron gold right here. He's pretty fucking cool, man. He really is. Other Too than bad he didn't make it to the Dragon Tower. And he's a slave owner. That's also oh, a problem. Oh, right. Right. But I think like 
Romulus has a major impact on the story. He majorly impacts two of our main characters, Darrow and Lysander, both come into contact with Romulus and then like have a whole takeaway from uh, him where they're both kind of in awe of his presence and the way he carries himself and his dedication to, you know, the way of the iron gold, basically. Um, and it particularly influences Lysander. I feel like this is kind of where Lysander gets all his ideas that he's now taking into Dark Age. Well, it's definitely sparks the inspiration. Yeah, for sure. Like, I think by the time Lysander gets out to the rim, you know, he has seen the decadence of the core and just like how violent and stupid it is and that kind of thing. And he knows that that's not the way that gold should go. And they're not going to shepherd humanity being that way. But then he sees Romulus in action right. and sees the rim and he's like, wow, this shit really does work. You right. know, like it can work. Too bad my grandmama blew up the moon. <laughs> and then in that, as he sees more of that and as he talks to Romulus more and spends more time with him and especially after he sees him like walk out into the dust, he's like, I got to be like this. And this system can work, but it needs the right leader. And I think he thinks that he can be that leader. We'll see. Also, uh, Romulus to me is the Rim's version of Lorne. Yeah, he's, that's a good point. He's the, the guy that everyone knows about. He's honorable and a badass fighter. He's got all these like legends about him. They've got yeah. the legend of the romance between Dido and Romulus. and Also, like people don't challenge them because they know that they could win most fights. Mm -hmm. um, they also have this like peace about them where they've, they've lived through enough war and through enough family death that they're tired of the politics. So they're very calm. They're very calculated. But like ultimately, they're just focused on trying to keep the remainder of their family alive, mm -hmm. even if it means like hiding Serafina away or, you know, hiding away on your island with your grandkids. That's like, a really great point. They've they're very similar. Figured out, like, what's important to them in their lives. And now they're... They, they had to see... They had to learn the hard way. Right, yeah. They saw so much death and destruction previously, participated in a lot of it, too. And now they understand those important things, and they want to protect those things. And Romulus is willing to, like, actually lie about it to prevent a war from happening because he doesn't want to see his family go off and die. And uh, Romulus, as we know, is a huge fan of Lauren's because and the speech he gives to Roke when Roke's being a little bitch. When is he not? I, I mean, is that uh, <laughs> oh, sorry, the whole book? Or you have to be more specific, yeah. Uh, when Roke gives the speech <laughs> about how he's going to, you know, be the death of them all. Romulus basically throws down and is like, I pity a world when a man like you decides if Lauren lives or dies or something like that. Yeah. So he's basically like, Lauren is the fucking baddest. Right. And you're a pixie. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so uh, I just see Lauren in Romulus. And I also see Lauren in Romulus because we all like them both so much, but they're both slave owners True. and they're both um goldists and pyramidists 
and believe in the space society. racists, I believe is the word you're looking for. Thank you. Space they're both space racists. <laughs> so it's 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 that struggle between oh, Pierce wrote this amazing character, but he has to throw in yeah. like, but you can't fully like him because <laughs> yeah. he has bad ethical decisions as yeah. well. Gotta be slightly problematic as well. Right. Yeah. So that that's I really see them as kind of the same person. That's Just good. That's Corin, a good comparison. Yeah. Corin Rim. Also like Romulus has got bars, like really good lines. Oh, for the ladies? Yeah. And so I guarantee you if there's any howlers out there that have met each other and they're both like howlers before they met and they're like met because of Red Rising and then they get married someone, one of them, is going to use Romulus's words like in their wedding vows or something. I will love you until the sun dies. <laughs> if you have done that, you now are obligated to write into the podcast and tell us and about tell it. tell us. Okay. Wait, back up. We need to create <laughs> a dating site that's just for Red Rising. <laughs> we should try to make some money on that too. We're going to have to start an app. I don't know how to do that. I don't either. Wix? We'll look into <laughs> it. <laughs> All right. Let's move on to our next section, predictions and fan casting. Uh, yeah, fan casting. Let's start with Serafina. So I was trying to think outside the box a little bit here, and I wanted somebody that's kind of, you know, like mean and nasty. And so um, I looked up this lady. Her name is Sophia Butella. And she was a, the bad guy in Kingsman. She had like the knife legs or whatever. Oh, she did. <laughs> yeah. Did she really have knife legs? <laughs> no, I uh, think it was just for the movie. Unfortunate. <laughs> she was also the mummy in the mummy. Uh, she was the, the mummy. Tom, the Tom Cruise mummy. Yeah. Oh The man. bad, the bad one. But she's really great, and she's like she's got a lot of like martial arts moves. She's an action star. I feel like she would be great for the the Serafina role. She is a little old, but I think she looks young. She looks like really young. She looks really young. Yeah. So um, I think that would be a good one. And she plays like that mean kind of nasty um, jerk. Oh, she's 38. Yeah. She's small, though. We need a tall girl. All right. Next up, we have Dido. So um, Dido is Venusian. So one person I thought of was um, Angela Serafian. I don't even know how to say her name, but she is Clementine in Westworld. And the reason I thought of her is because she has sleepy eyes and very sharp cheekbones. And she's an Armenian-American actress. So anyways, I watched all the Westworld shows. She's also very tall and thin. So She does have sleepy eyes. <laughs> she has, like, very sleepy eyes, um, which it's funny, like, the sleepy eye, I think of like Marilyn Monroe, like the like, oh, I'm so sexy, I can't open my eyes. <laughs> but Angela Serafian, like legit just has sleepy eyes. Look her up. Or if you've seen Westworld, she's Clementine. She's one of the hooker dancer people in the saloon. <laughs> Do you like that one? That's a good one. Also, um, I also really love Thandie Newton. She could also be Dido. She's, mm. um, she's Maeve. Yeah. Who then, you know, becomes the cool samurai chick in season three. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So she, I see as Dido because I see she's like a strong, badass fighter woman. So right. if you could like have a kid between those two. Take the eyes off one. Right. Yeah. 
I like it. Excellent call. Thanks. Who do you see as fan casting for Romulus? Okay, so I did some extra special research on this because I feel like we need to capture, like we had talked about, we need to capture that samurai vibe for Romulus. Okay. And so this actor, his name is Hiroyuki Sonata. And if you saw him, you'd be like, oh, I know that guy. Because he's like kind of a that guy from a lot of he's, superhero way, movies. He's also in Westworld. He's in Westworld too? Yeah. <laughs> I stopped watching Westworld. So Hey, uh, season three is like an architecture orgasm. Really? Oh, yeah. It's like architect's dream world because mm. it's like the future. Gotcha. Yeah, I, I really could make it through season one on that show. Wow, really? Yeah, I didn't like it. Come on, Ben. <laughs> Let's rewatch it. Um, All right. It was like Hero one of those. Sh- it was one of those shows where I just couldn't put my phone away while I was watching it, so it was just like pointless to try and watch it. Maybe you should pay attention. All right. Maybe it should be good. Hiroyuki Sonata. <laughs> That's a great call. So uh, he was like the most recent thing I remember seeing him in was in Avengers Endgame. He is samurai sword fighting with Hawkeye or the Ronin version of Hawkeye. Right. And they like sword fight in the rain. He's also appears in uh, Wolverine when Wolverine goes to Japan. Anyway, this dude is a he's a great actor and he's got a great look. And I feel like he's the right age for Romulus. And he um, wouldn't be able to have that presence and then also give us, you know, those those samurai vibes that we want from, from Romulus as well. What about, who's the guy in The Last Samurai? Tom Cruise? <laughs> no. <laughs> um, he's also in Godzilla. Okay, it's Ken Watanabe. Watanabe. Yeah, he's good. He be, he's got oh, he's in in uh Inception. Incep- yeah. Is that what it's called? Yeah. Inception. Bwah. Yeah. Beep, boop, beep, boop. He's the guy that they're going into his dreams. Yeah. Yeah. He's yeah. really good at the like whisper talk. He would be good too. I like that. All right. Predictions. Where are they now? What's going on in book six? Two out of three are dead. So what do you think is gonna happen with Dido? Oh, I think, man, it's hard to even guess because like you said, we really didn't learn that much about, we didn't learn anything, right, about the Rim in Dark Age. So we don't really know what they're up to except for that they, surprise, had cool ships that Cassius borrowed, which means they probably have a new dockyards, which means they're probably coming in to do something but the fact that they saved Cassius to save Darrow makes me hopeful that um, Diomedes will kind of steer his mother towards not helping uh, pulls up butts Atlas. Yeah, I think it's going to be a situation where Diomedes splits from Dido and what Dido wants. And I mean, who knows? Maybe Dido. Um, actually heard Romulus's last words or almost last words when he's saying let me be the last death in this war even mm-hmm. though obviously then his daughter dies but um maybe maybe she'll have a change of heart let's let's hope all right let's move on to our prime five our top five best character moments for Dido Serafina and 
Romulus. Rami. All right, our number five moment. Serafina dying. Death explosion. <laughs> All right, so Serafina, <laughs> she uh, is talking to Lysander. She tilts her head back. She says, Gaja, don't be such a... And then the entire top half of her star shell disappears as a rail slug the size of a man rips Romulus's daughter clean in half. My commands stick in the base of my throat as the legs of the mech teeter and collapse sideways, spilling her intestines out the top. Woo. Incoming, Calendora <laughs> bellows. <laughs> Little late there, Calendora. I was shocked when this happened. Well, yeah, you're like, oh, there she goes. Yeah. Oh, okay, well, got I rem- it. I remember just being, what? And you're like, well, I might as well kill more people, Pierce. Add it to the list. This combined with the tongueless cut into four pieces death. You're like, what? Uh, what? Really just sets the tone for Dark Age. Just, all right, let's go. Yeah. Let's roll on through intestines. Lots of people are going to die. Cut in four pieces, intestines spilling out. Basically, if you stay intact when you die, (laughs) then that's a win. (laughs) Also, she shouts incoming, which is like super Hamilton. You know that that one song? Incoming. The battery down the battery. Check the damage. (laughs) And he does the. (laughs) Note that for the musical. We got to do the. Yeah. All right. You want to take number four? Dido's intro in Iron Gold is super cinematic. Take a drink. Just Pierce incredible. is writing. So um, there's a ship coming in, and they're like, oh, fuck, we're being attacked. I love it. They hear the explosion, and Romulus is like, oh, he just stops what he's doing, and he sits down. Crisscross applesauce. He sits down crisscross applesauce, and it's just like. They say, what are you doing? Yep. Your mother is coming. <laughs> yep. It's mommy's time. <laughs> so Dido enters the war room um, and she comes in with a pack of peerless scarred. Yep. She's rolling deep. They're dressed for war. Yeah. Romulus says, hello, wife. And she says, husband. <laughs> so then this is my favorite part. This is the cinematic part. Mm-hmm. She's walking with a big stride and Pierce writes, she removes a new item every third step till at last she pulls free the Yugen, pulls back the hood and a thick tangle of graying dark hair falls about her shoulders, framing a masculine strident face with ridge lines for cheekbones. Gray gold eyes flare out behind thick rows of dark eyelashes and heavy sleepy eyelids like those of her daughter. But just the one, two, three, drop your clothes. One, two, three, drop your hat. It's, you know, it's very like, I have a messy apartment. I don't give a fuck because I'm on a mission. I can definitely like see it in my mind's eye. Like in your mind's eye. Did you catch the mind's eye bug? (laughs) Uh, Romulus sitting there like waiting kind of like with a half smile on his face says, Hello, wife. Yeah. <laughs> but it's it's so cute that they do that because then we also get from Mustang and Darrow the low wife, low husband. Mm, mm-hmm. So parallels. Wow. Pierce is introducing the married couples. <laughs> Super cute. Number three moments. This is when Romulus is meeting with Darrow and Roke and Mustang and he just kind of 
you know, throws down on, on the pixie on rogue. Rogue basically tells him to fuck off. Rogue is basically saying, we don't have these nuclear warheads. I don't know what Darrow's talking about on my honor. And Romulus says, the same honor you had when you betrayed your friend, when you betrayed Honorable Lorne, my ally, Augustus, my father, Revis, that honor by which you watched as my daughter's head was stomped in by a sociopathic matricide who takes orders from a sociopathic patricide. You call Darrow a savage, a liar, but he came here wearing his heart on his sleeve. You came here with the lies, hiding behind manners and breeding. Enough lies, you sniveling, coarse sycophant. You whelp. I pity a world where you decide if a man like Lorna Arcos lives or dies. Damn. I would just have nothing to say after that if I was Roke. I'd be like... I'd probably burst into tears. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Uh, stop being so mean to me. <laughs> That's such a great moment. And it's like, snaps. You're like, damn. Always here for anybody that wants to, you know, bitch down on Roke. He also cuts his hand and sucks the blood out and spits it in Roke's face. More blood spitting. Nice. Yeah. Blood feud. Blood feud. Too bad Roke and Romulus died before they could fight it out. So number two moment, Romulus telling the truth about the docks when he didn't have to. He says, what is honor without truth? Honor is not what you say. Honor is what you do. Which, by the way, he said that previously. So this is a repeat. Of that line, he said it in that moment with Roke in Morningstar. Mm, nice. So it's it's like his line. And he, he even says, this is what my father would say. So it's like the raw line. Mm-hmm. Honor is what you do. We live by a code. I broke that code. Even if my reasons for doing so were just, I lied because I knew if we saw what the slave king did toward the docks, we would have no choice but to clear the peace void and sail for war. I believe that war will destroy us, not because our arms are weak, not because our commanders are frail, but because we are fighting against a religion whose God still lives. I urge you to feel my death, to let it be the last casualty and not the first of this war that claimed my father, my daughter, my son, and now me. So powerful. And then Seraphina. (laughs) (laughs) It's, It's like your honor does remain, sir. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's powerful, man. Yeah, that's that's such a powerful statement in that moment, and it makes so much sense. And you're just like, why can't you listen to this man? You know, he's so reasonable. Well, and the the rim is so there's such rule followers that even the people sentencing him to death are like heartbroken over it. Right. They're like, come on, Chance, unring your fucking bell. <laughs> yeah, I love how yeah, like Dido doesn't want him. She just, all she wants him to do is tell the lie she knows like he's not going to yeah she looks in his eyes yeah. and she's like damn it <laughs> yeah. just be sneaky like me <laughs> all right number one moment this one's obvious i mean romulus's walk to the dragon tomb just probably the best moment of iron gold no i mean cassius moment is the best moment well, of iron gold. But this second is, best moment this is heartbreaking yeah i mean but it's also really fucking cool it's a cool um, and also horrible way to die. <laughs> I love how he goes out, though. And then I love Daimese, like, later on in Dark Age saying, you know, like, what he learned is, like, to not talk so much. 
Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty great too. But yes, he, 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 you know, kind of talks to everyone in that moment. Um, he pulls Dido aside and he says, I loved you before I ever met you. I will love you until the sun dies. And when it does, I will love you in the darkness. That is just, there's your wedding vows. That's going to get somebody. And then he says, I am a son of Io, a child of the dust. I'm a dragon of raw and iron gold. Akari, bear witness. And then he takes off. And he's like breathing like He doesn't like take frost. off. He walks. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'd be like, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I'm not sure I would be able to speak a word. It's so sad. <laughs> yeah. And then Seraphina's counting. It is really sad. All right, so obviously most of our primest moments were Romulus. <laughs> um, but thankfully, Serafina got exploded, so we could talk about that. Hey, I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for intestines spilling out. That's great. <laughs> Thanks, Pierce. <laughs> All right, let's move on to Prime or Pixie. Did Dido, Serafina, and Romulus survive the Hallerpod passage of in-depth scrutiny and judgment? Let's find out. But first, let's hear from... Our howlers. Let's do it. We've got some howler emails. I'll take the first one. This one is from our friend from across the pond. And which which friend? Because we have so many friends. Regular contributor, Nick Brindlow. Nick. Hey, Nick. What's up, buddy? AKA Mick Shindlow. Okay. He says, I'm making the argument that Romulus is prime, but his wife and daughter are more problematic. The central issue here is the relationship of the individual to the ideological. The Ionian golds are a mixture of Japanese and South African culture. Gaja is a rough approximation of the Japanese gaijin, meaning literally alien, outsider, or potential enemy. Moreover, I can't help but imagine that Pierce took inspiration from apartheid-era Afrikaner notions of racial superiority when designing the Moon Lord's culture. These two data sets present a mixed bag. On the one hand, a rigid and oppressive social hierarchy. Remember that in feudal times, societal roles in Japan were heavily prescribed. Samurai were drawn from wealthier social classes, much like the golds, and that also much like the golds, it was a capital punishment for anyone else to evoke their appearances or carry their signature weapon. Similarly, the Rim Dominion is equally prescribed and is said to run with the efficiency of an anthill. As readers with our own notions of political freedom, we're likely to find this distasteful. However, this leads in onto the flip side of Ilium's culture. This social rigidity applies to all, unlike in the core. In Iron Gold, we're told that Romulus has placed an edict whereby no gold may eat more as measured by weight ratio that the, than the agricultural reds. They even make this explicit stating qual's rex, talus rex, as the king, so the people. This allusion to kings is important. It links back to medieval notions of the three estates in society. Those who fight, the nobility, those who pray, clergy, and those who work, the commoners. Moreover, it links back to Japan via the notion of the samurai, a title derived from the verb samorapu, literally meaning one who keeps watch and serves. Ilium isn't terraformed. Moreover, it was the principal supplier of ships to the core before and a dangerous threat now. As such, it represents a tempting target, especially if it's no longer dependent on core-based helium-3. Death could come from multiple sources, particularly off-world, meaning that a strong warrior cast would be necessary. 
Romulus personifies this commitment to an ideal. For the good of his people, he's willing to negotiate with Roke even after months of war. He sacrifices his son, his arm, and his self-respect to uphold the Pax Ilium. Ultimately, he effect- effectively commits seppuku, ritual samurai suicide, to uh, atone for his lies and, in his mind, to unite gold against the rising. Across two books, we see a man willing to literally give all he has in service of an ideal, however distasteful we might find that ideal. If that doesn't make him prime, I'm not sure what does. Dido and Serafina are more problematic. Instead of maintaining social order, they want revenge and dominion. Dido explicitly states that her plan was to become joint sovereign with Romulus, presumably to press the attack on what she sees as a divided core and to reclaim her family holdings on Venus. Indeed, Seraphina states in Dark Age that war is beautifully meeting her expectations. Remember that she is part of another strategy, so the battle is the point, not the objective they are fighting for. Put simply, gold was intended to serve the races of mankind. Romulus lives to the ideal. Arguably, his wife and daughter do not. All right. Thank you, Nick. Yes, thank you, Nick. That uh, was great. So to sum up, Romulus is prime <laughs> and the women are pixies. Not all the women, just <laughs> Dido and Serafina. I do agree. I mean, it's like Romulus really does personify that intention of gold to shepherd humanity. He's the shepherd to the lost sheep. Although we can argue maybe that's not the best idea. It is a philosophy. I guess, you know. It is one. <laughs> so. <laughs> All right. Let's move on to our next Howler email from Daniel Gibson. Um, in the interest of time, I'm going to go to this straight to the point. Do it. For uh, the primer pixie part. But thank you for your whole email, Daniel. So starting with Romulus, definitely one of the more interesting characters. He's an old friend of Lauren. They fuck with each other on values. <laughs> he's still a racist let's be very clear about that but when the second moon rebellion started Romulus ended the Norse brainwashing of the obsidians which is pretty great in my book instead of saying that golds were their gods he explained to them that they were all part of the same body participation instead of subjugation it's still fucked but maybe less fucked yeah <laughs> <laughs> I agree <laughs> Um, he says, on the other hand, I feel that old Ra lived in a fantasy world as well. Everything's better with a bit of moderation, and that includes honor. I agree with his decision to stay his hand after suspecting Darrow's fuckery, but regaining your honor by killing yourself? There's no honor in the afterlife. Nobody there will sing your praises or welcome you to Valhalla. <laughs> At least not in, you know. Mm-hmm. gold mines that's true or daniels it seems <laughs> i feel that it was in vain to end his life i'm going with prime but still a dumb fucker wow hot take daniel hot take i like it though next up dido this is a tough one as i don't know what kind of fighter she is but i think that quicksilver is prime without fighting skills so she's willing to sacrifice a dozen or so family members over the death of her eldest daughter I've never had children, so I couldn't possibly relate, but I don't know if I could kill off that many. Perhaps a cousin or two. (laughs) (laughs) And Aunt Amy has always been a racist, (laughs) so she could go to... (laughs) Poor Aunt Amy. (laughs) Hope she doesn't listen to Uh, this. Anyway. She's a racist. It's okay. It's okay. Uh, (laughs) He says, anyways, uh, Dido is a schemer for sure, and I'm interested to see what she's going to be about in the next book. 
I'm going to give her prime for the time being, but that's some thin ice, boyo. Mm. Next up, Serafina. I don't know what Brown was doing in between Iron Gold and Dark Age, but I thought that Serafina was going to be a bigger deal than what she was. I agree. Right? Yeah. It's like this like prodigal <laughs> child. Like I thought she was going to have a huge role for the rest of the books. She was a cool kid. Yep. Kind of, you know, a little annoying. I thought she was going to be like tagging along with Lysander the rest of the way, you know? Yeah, like love story. Nope. Uh, Daniel says, honestly, I'm glad she's dead. I didn't really care for her in Iron Gold. And in Dark Age, when her death happened, I just sighed and trudged on. <laughs> Intestines. <laughs> oh, well. You can say that about just about all the deaths. I know. I did start age. trudging on. <laughs> to trudge on. <laughs> he said that that was a hard first read, wasn't it? Yes, yes, yes. Uh, I'm going to have to go with Pixie with Serafina. She was a capable warrior for certain. She proved that both in Iron Gold and in the Ash Rain. But the more I think about her, the less I think she was fighting for a cause or for her family. Some of the Golds, like Kalandora, truly believe that Darrow has broken the worlds and that he must be stopped, else humanity won't make it. I can respect that, at least. May not agree with it, obviously, but I respect it. But Serafina's fighting for war itself. And it's like Lauren talking to Darrow. Achilles wasn't the hero. He was Homer's warning about the darker part of humanity. That's well said, Daniel. Thank you, Daniel. I have to say the last, his last point. He okay. says, I give Seraphina Pixie, fuck her. And he says, not like how Lysander wanted to before getting <laughs> sucked off by anti-grimace. But you get what I'm saying. <laughs> Daniel. 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 You need to go to church and pray off this email. <laughs> well, well put email, Daniel. I enjoyed that one. So Thank to you. sum up, uh, we've got a prime for Romulus, a semi-prime for Dido. A prime on thin ice. Prime on thin ice. And a fuck you pixie for <laughs> Serafina. <laughs> Um, also, Daniel says uh, more in his email um, about his time in the service. So I just want to say thank you for your service. Shout out, and Daniel. Thank, thank you. you so much for your email. Great email. Great points. And I love the curse words because <laughs> <laughs> they make me giggle. <laughs> All right. Let's go to our last email. This one is from Katie. And uh, this is uh, where we got our death. Desplosion. Desplosion <laughs> <from>. <laughs> yeah. So, death explosions are new favorite. Uh, I like that a lot. Phrase. Thank you, Katie. She says, "I wanted to give my thoughts on Serafina's death, or as I call it, her death explosion. Out of all the deaths in the series, hers was the most shocking to me. I literally gasped out loud when it happened. I was surprised by my own reaction because I didn't care much about her up until that point. Me neither." In doing some thinking about why her death hit me so hard, I think it's because her death is such a powerful example of the true horror of war. She was being developed into what we thought uh, would be an important character, and she was constantly chasing a glorious and honorable death. And then in the blink of an eye, she was just gone, not in an honorable duel or a memorable battle scene, but just by random chance that she never could have seen coming. I don't know if her death was planned or if it was Pierce just picking a name out of his death hat but I thought her storyline was such a brilliant encapsulation of the idea of death being the great equalizer. It didn't matter that she was from an old noble house, that she seemed destined for greatness and importance. 
are that she was a total badass. She died a meaningless and random death, as have millions of people in the 10 years this war has been raging. That's millions of other stories that have ended just as abruptly. And it's a powerful reminder that our heroes and those with only half-finished stories could just as easily die the same way. Rest in peace, tongueless. (laughs) (laughs) She says, I know Aaron feels my pain. I feel it. I most assuredly do not. I still want to know what his deal Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Like, what was Pierce setting up? (laughs) She says, diddle on, fellow howlers, Katie. Diddle on. Diddle on, Katie. Let's diddle uh the howlers brains <laughs> that was a great email um and some great points i really do think that first 16 chapters of dark age is really a meditation on death war and just how terrible it is i'm surprised this pandemic didn't happen before because you'd think maybe when pierce was writing dark age he was in this dark place that we are all currently in I can't even imagine what he's cooking up for book six at this point. <laughs> I'm, I'm not not looking forward to it. <laughs> Hopefully somebody, like some family members and like his close friends are making sure that he's Blair. like got, you know, good vibes. Yeah. Taking Sister, care of him, checking in. Sister Blair's sending him rescued puppies. That'd be great. Hello. It's Ben from the future. Like, like two days in the future. We got a voicemail from our howler friend ryan and i really wanted to play it so i'm just editing it into the podcast right now because i can i'm in charge okay here we go here's ryan what's up howler pod this is ryan calling in representing the new jersey howlers um so i'm calling in to defend my boy romulus al Ra. romulus is most certainly prime His two principal virtues are what defines him, respect and discipline. He is like the teacher you dreaded taking because he had a reputation for being so severe. You knew he was going to be strict, but also fair. His respect mattered to you more than your grade. Two different characters give us their point of view on Akari's heir, Darrow and Lysander. Both of these characters respect Romulus in their own way. Darrow sees Romulus as an honorable man but takes advantage of the respect that Romulus earns from him. This pact delays the Rim War another decade. Despite Romulus knowing Darrow's deceit, he decides not to break the compact between the Republic and the Rim. Lysander has a similar point of view of the man. When he meets the Rim Sovereign, he presents a different perspective on what goals should be. Romulus does believe that the caste system is necessary for human survival, but discards the brutal nature of a ruling overclass in favor of the noble shepherds that gold is supposed to be. For a core gold like Lysander, this contrasts with everything he believed about the society. I think that Romulus is the vessel through which Lysander will envision his future empire not built on fear, but on respect. Romulus sleeps with a stone for a pillow and doesn't kill guests in his house. He went out like a boss when he walked the dragon's path. He embodies the genuine iron gold. Romulus is primed. Also, Romulus has a neat lair inside a cave on Io with a dragon motif, which is pretty cool. As for casting, I would go with Ken Watanabe, who played the decoy Ra's al Ghul in Batman Begins and Katsumoto in The Last Samurai. I really can't think of anyone better. All right. It's time to pass some judgment. Boop, boop. <laughs> All right. Let's start with Serafina. Um, okay. Aaron, make the case for Serafina. So Serafina is a great fighter. She makes it out of the Vindabona with, 
you know, her life mm-hmm. and the hollow and the razor. Mm-hmm. Um, and she is mean to Lysander. Also, that's a good quality. Yeah. And she uh, kind of is a tease. <laughs> also a good quality. As fun. long as it's towards Lysander. She's a flirt, you know. <laughs> that. Yep, that's it. <laughs> okay. I'll make the case against. She's mean. She's selfish. She She's got sleepy eyes. Has sleepy fucking eyes. <laughs> She's super focused on revenge. Doesn't see the big picture at all. And she just wants to go to war really so that she can just enjoy war. And anybody that really gets off on war the way that Serafina does is somebody that you should be looking out for. She she just it's all pride. She just wants to prove herself and prove that she's good at war. Right. But when, when you're like, hey, how's the war going? And she's like, it's beautiful. You're like, okay. You're like, is it? <laughs> Here's some intestine <laughs> confetti for you. <laughs> that person is a person you need to be like, I'm not sure that they're doing okay. You know? Maybe you need some therapy. Right. So, Aaron, Serafina, Prime or Pixie? Uh, I'm going to go out there and say she's Pixie. I'm going to agree. Pixie. Judgment. Passed. All right. Let's move on to Dido, the mother of all the Raws. All of them. I'll start with the case four. Mm-hmm. I'm positivity today. Kay. So Dido <laughs> um, is a mom. We all like moms. Moms are great. Moms are great. Um, She really fights for her children and... Cares about them deeply. She will even throw away the rest of her family members (laughs) to avenge her children. Less important family members. Yeah, the cousins. (laughs) Aunt Amy. (laughs) 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 Poor Aunt Amy. Um, And she is uh, super good at at wrangling power and successfully has a coup over basically the Lorne of the Rim, Mm -hmm. like basically one of the most respected men. She, even in this uh, society that only respects, like, full-blood rim descendants, she is Venusian and comes in as his wife and still is able to wrangle power and uh, make her way to the top. So she's smart, she's sneaky, she's uh, strong, and she, like, super loves Romulus at the same time. And she has a... And she has an extremely badass entrance. Anybody that can make an entrance like that. If you can strip a, a pretty high up in my clothing book. off while you walk, <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> All right, I'll make the case against. Um, she she threw a coup against her own husband and got him sentenced to death. <laughs> so you're saying what I just said was good. You're saying that's also bad. I think it, when you're it results in your husband's death accidental death she didn't even plan for that right yeah so anytime you know you you do something that results in your husband's death you're thinking that's a bad thing and then also she like seraphina very revenge focused very war hungry yes really wants to go to war (laughs) right so also not cool no all right where you at primer pixie um ah this is a tough one. Dido is tough. I kind of feel like Daniel said, just kind of on thin ice either way. 
But I'm going to call her a pixie because I don't think that my predictions are going to come true in book six. I don't think she's going to become the heroine that we need her to be. I think she's going to be a bitch and Diomedes is going to have to kill her. Wow. Matricide. Um, I'm going to say prime purely based on one single moment. And that's when Diomedes has his hosta up against her chest and she just like slowly walks into it. Anybody that can do that prime in my book. It's pretty badass. <laughs> uh Oh, who's up next? It's Romulus. Romulus. You, I'm going to do yeah, the case four. you get to do the case four. you've been on the positive side. What is pride without honor, Ben? <laughs> what is honor without truth? Honor is not what you say. It's not what you read. Honor's what you do, Ben. Solo. Don't kill your father. Thank you. I mean, probably the closest person to a true definition of iron gold in the entire story. For sure. Okay. He is super um, good at fighting. He's super good at leading and at inspiring. He sees the big picture. He cares about his family. He's willing to put himself at risk to protect them willing, and protect his people. He's willing to die for honor. That's what gold does. Great. Okay. The case against he is, you know, got a light case of space racism. Uh, I'd say it's a pretty heavy <laughs> case. He has a lot of <laughs> slaves. <laughs> Just because he doesn't lie to him doesn't mean they aren't still slaves. <laughs> it's, Still sucks. Okay. Prime or Pixie? Aaron. I'm going to go with Prime. I, too, am a weak-souled human being, and I will look past his flaws and say that he is Prime. Also, I feel like if I call him a Pixie, he's going to come back from the grave and stand up from crisscross applesauce and murder (laughs) me. He's going to magically stand up from some dust and some shadows. Oh, yeah. All right. We there you have it. The final judgment. <laughs> All right. You know what it's time for? What are we into this week? Aaron, go. I am shocked that I have never said that this is what I'm into. It's my favorite band of all time. Mm. When someone says, Aaron, what's your favorite band? This is who I say. It's the Avit Brothers. You don't ever recommend music on here. I've done it a few times. I guess, yeah. Beyonce. Swedish pop star. Swedish music. I remember that one. Um, so the Avett brothers are <gasps> brothers. Wow. No I should have saved this for next. They're not like fake music brothers? No. Um, and they've been a band for a long time. I've been to many, many of their shows. They are folky music. Um, and they have a new album coming out, which is why I was thinking about them. The album comes out August 28th. Um, and their music is amazing. If you like folk music if you like uh some banjo if you like upright bass then you're gonna love the avid brothers they have beautiful lyrics and if you listen to the lyrics i guarantee you'll cry and i have cried my eyes out at concerts in public no shame i've seen it yeah can confirm and you you wanted to cry (laughs) but you were like being stoic no i don't i don't care about the avid brothers like that Damn. It's, I'm happy for you, though. They're fucking cool, man. I All care right. about other bands like that. The Avett Brothers, check them out. Um, my favorite band. Ben, what are you into this week? 
I'm going to recommend a, a fantastic documentary that I watched over the weekend. It's called Boys State. The premise of the movie is it it follows these four 17-year-old Texans. Um, they're boys, and they go to like a summer camp, and it's kind of like a political summer camp, and the whole thing is there's like 600 boys there. They get split up into two parties, and they elect a government from like the bottom up and it's supposed to be all about kind of like political discourse and talking to people with other views and that kind of thing the movie follows these four boys around this camp it's incredible speaks a lot to our own political moment here in america and the characters in the movie are not the characters but i mean like the real life people the people that they follow are awesome i mean so entertaining they just found like great stories to tell and super inspiring it's both inspiring and just like heartbreaking because politics is so awful, especially here in America. Um, so you kind of get both of those things from it. But ultimately, for me, I thought it was very hopeful. Um, well, that's good. Which was nice. We all need a little hope right now. We definitely need that in America. So, <laughs> so where where can I watch it? I believe it's only on Apple TV Plus. So that kind of makes it hard to get. So I've got I got like free Apple TV because I bought an Apple TV for a year so that's how i watched it but um i think apple tv is only five dollars a month so you can sign up for it and then you can cancel it and you can watch boys state and you would only be paying five bucks and that's just like renting a movie that's true you know or you can do they probably have like a free trial thing where you can get it for like a week and then cancel it you know watch the movie and then cancel it so do that apple tv plus boys state it's honestly my favorite movie i've watched this year wow i mean not a lot of new movies, but... I mean, I've watched a lot of new movies, but... Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. I haven't. All right. What's coming up next week on Howlerpod? Raw Family, part two, Atlas, a.k.a. Pulls Up Butts, and Diomedes, a.k.a. the Cassius of the Rim. Wow. We've got the Fear Knight, and we've got the Storm Knight. Wow. Dang. It's going to be exciting. It's about to be a duel to the death. We're going to talk a lot about predictions, I feel like. Oh, yeah. Finally, someone That'll be. Survives. It should be a really fun one. So if you've got thoughts on Atlas or if you've got thoughts on Diomedes, um, send those in. You know, call in, write in. You know the place. Tell us how you feel about us impaling Atlas. <laughs> All right, Howlers. Don't forget to follow us on... Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Etsy, at HowlerPod. Email us uh, your thoughts on Atlas and Diomedes at HowlerPod at gmail.com. Leave a voicemail, 1-800-516-1540. And talk to us about Pulls Up Butts. Find links to all this and more at HowlerPod.com. Tell a friend about the podcast. Spread the word. Get your little fingers <laughs> up butts. <laughs> <laughs> I can't stop with the butts. Next week's going to be <laughs> crazy. <laughs> and rate and review us. Five stars only. If you don't give us five stars only, then we will <laughs> explode you in a death explosion. Wow. And your intestines will confetti out of you. And more like streamers. Streamers, yeah. Definitely. Makes, makes more sense. Blood streamers. Right. All right, thank you to Heather, our wise and wonderful researcher, for all her hard work researching these characters and their historical connections. And thank you to Miles 
for our amazing episode art and the fucking Moonies, man. Oh, gosh. I cannot wait for you guys to see these. Oh, my God. So good. I love it. All right. Thanks. Howlers. Omnisphere lupus out.